After a wealthy banker is given an opportunity to participate in a mysterious game, his life is turned upside down when he becomes unable to distinguish between the game and reality. This is Movie Time Machine. Welcome to another episode of Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie is The Game, released in the year 1997. Directed by David Fincher, written by John Broncando and Michael Ferris. Starring Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad. Let's go around the table and do some introductions. And uh, let's let everyone know what we've been watching or doing lately. Uh, this is James. Uh, currently, I've been watching Killing Eve season two. Uh, I'm not ready to get into season three, although uh, there's a few episodes out. I'd rather binge it, but uh, really, a really enjoyable uh, show. I recommend it if nobody's seen it. Kind of a spy thriller. Uh, not a huge fan of that uh, girl from Grey's Anatomy uh, too much, but she's kind of growing on me. But the main character uh, is amazing. Hey, y'all. This is Chris. I have uh, recently started watching DC Universe uh harley quinn the animated series um just watched the first season i really like it they went really dark with it it's um really unique it gives me like kind of rick and morty vibes um but yeah it's they've done a great job with it and i really enjoyed it hey casey here uh right now my wife and i just started season one of uh ozarks um that one's pretty interesting so far i really like this first season of that Hey, this is Jamie. I've been watching The Last Dance, the documentary on Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the final season of theirs, 1998. And you're not going to believe this, but he was pretty good at basketball. I've got that recording on my uh, YouTube TV DVR. I'm definitely going to give that a watch. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Jamie, I've watched the first two episodes, um, and I got three and four to watch at some point this weekend before uh, uh, this coming Sunday. Oh, you're in for a treat. It's Rodman. That's what I heard. That's what I'm actually excited about because he's he's definitely the wild card of the group. So it's it'll be interesting. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I know you said the Harley Quinn animated series. Like, I, what is this on? Like, this is very interesting. God, I actually I don't know what it airs on. Um, but yeah, it is. It's super dark. It is um, all about Harley Quinn and um, it. Basically, uh, she is trying to like separate or separate herself from uh, the Joker, and it's kind of her finding her voice as an evil villain, and she's trying to make her own like super group. Um, and it has uh, Jason Alexander in it, which is really funny to hear his voice in an animated series. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's just it's super dark. It's really interesting. Um, it's really funny. A lot of sarcasm. Um, a lot of like dark humor. And again, like it, it reminds me of like something like Rick and Morty or um, some of those like, like Archer or something like that. Like some of the more like adult themed um, shows, but uh, God, it must be on one of the, um, I don't know, like an HBO or something like that. Cause there's a lot of profanity, a lot of um, yeah. Help check yeah. That it's out. really, really good. I was just gonna ask if he plays the Joker. No, like Jason Alexander has like a really small role. Like he just comes in periodically for like a couple lines and that's it. But it's just 
like you hear his voice and you immediately know who it is. Um, So it's just, yeah, interesting to hear him um, play an animated character and be like, oh, my God, that's George. (laughs) All right, cool. I was just looking it up. So it looks like it's on the sci-fi channel. And I see, okay, the the animation style here. I'm going to try to explain this. I've seen this like pop up like in like little like um, little pop up windows like promoting this series. And like one of the windows, like when it pops up, like the frame is stopped. And like the way Harley Quinn is standing, she's like holding a bat, like this black bat. But she's standing like you see her from like her side profile. And she's holding the bat like down by her crotch. So every time I see it, it, I think it's like some kind of like spam on my phone. I'm like, what is this doing on my phone? Like some kind of weird pornography. <laughs> but yeah, that's the Harley Quinn series. So yeah, it's on sci-fi. I have to check that out. <laughs> what a great, a great advertisement. <laughs> oh, she totally um, looks like she has a giant dong. Check it out on sci-fi Wednesdays at seven. <laughs> then Casey, you said you're just getting into uh, Ozark. Yeah. We're, uh, we're just in the first season. Um, I'm not, I'm not super into like, uh, you know, tense drama type things um especially anything you know around crime like that like breaking bad was too tense and dark that type of stuff for me but i found this one's actually there's some like humor in it here and there and maybe it's just that i find jason bateman to be inherently funny so his reactions to things even in a dark setting like that i I still find kind of humorous yeah yeah yeah, he's really he's really good in that show, and I think he produces it or directs he, it. He's done a little bit of all of it. Like he, yeah, I think in the first it, the yeah. first season, he I think he directed at least half of the episodes. I want to say, and then, uh, but he produces all of it for sure. Yeah, yeah, we just finished season three about a month ago, and yeah, it's so good. It, it's very it. good. Yeah, we finished season three about a month ago yeah. as well, and it like this show this is like shows like this are why i'm not a fan of the netflix thing where we can binge it i'm so excited to binge it and i want to but then as soon as it's over i'm like i gotta wait another two years what the heck yeah (laughs) yeah i know i know i mean don't these guys should not versus having to wait like right (laughs) (laughs) yeah we um you know like another series that bateman was in on hbo called the outsider which I think it's based off a of Stephen King uh, novel. That is, I know Jamie, you're the big. That's my understanding as well, Chad. Yeah, and uh, it started out so good. Like the first two episodes were so good, and it was just like the rest of it was just kind of a big disappointment. And then I find out that Bateman directed the first two episodes, and I was like, oh, like that's why they're so good. And it just kind of fell apart after that. Well, but... let's not forget that Stephen King has a real hit or miss with sticking the landing. To be fair to Jason Bateman and his skills. I'm just saying some of his stories don't always wrap up as well as they start or their middle section. Yeah, I don't I don't even think it's that with this, Jamie. It's was I was just kind of I don't know. It's I just hung in there cuz like the first two were so good and I was like it's maybe it's going to come back and yeah, 10 episodes later it it didn't. That's so too bad. Yeah. Um yeah, and we'll get get into what I've been watching. Um, yeah, we just wrapped up uh, was it season five now of um, Better Call Saul, which is leading up to uh, the next season, which will be the the final season of that series. So, kind of like if you were familiar with uh, 
Breaking Bad. It's almost getting to that same level of tension, but yeah, it's really good. So we just finished that. So with Better Call Saul, like where they're at right now, I like have we've been introduced to more Breaking Bad characters that we are aware of, or are they trying to? Are you trying to meet that link right now in the final seasons where that all of a sudden we're going to meet like Brian Cranston is going to be in there? You know what I mean? There's characters in there. I mean, Cranston and, you know, like, uh, um, God, what was this character's name again? Walter White. In Breaking Bad? Heisenberg. Walter, yeah. You don't, there's no Walter or, uh, or Jesse. Yeah. But there are some other characters, you know, like you get from the very first season. And I think there's a lot of um, Mike the Solom- Trout, right? Oh, yeah. The then like, the, you know, the, the Salamancas yeah. are there. And yeah, so. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I would I would definitely give it a shot, at least get through the first season. And yeah, I, I really like it. So and uh, it's shot very well, too. It's just beautifully shot, you know, for like a I think it's on AMC for, you know, a TV series. So. Yeah. Have a lot of respect for that. But. If that's all we want to talk about for what we've been watching, doing, or listening, we can dive into our discussion on David Fincher's The Game, which uh, I think kind of our pre-recording conversations, this might be pretty interesting. So, um, hey, Chris, do you want to uh, just go into some box office there, and we'll just kind of talk about movies that came out that year, then we'll start talking about um you know feelings about the film and maybe we'll start with those who have watched this for the first time yeah absolutely um yeah so as far as the box office goes this had a a budget of 50 million uh opening weekend domestically was uh 4.3 million its gross worldwide was 109 million, 109.4, uh, and its gross domestic was uh, only 48 million. So it didn't even uh, cover its budget domestically. But overall, again, it did make about 59 million. Nice. Yeah, it didn't do too great. And what was up? What was it up against that year for 1997? Does anyone have any? Yeah, I've uh... got the top 10 of 97. Yeah. Um, number right. one was Titanic. Oh, yeah. So the thing Titanic, with Titanic, yeah. too. Like, People would go yeah, see it Yeah, I think we did this times. year before. I think I saw that three times. I don't know why. Here's the thing about Titanic in this year, because I think Titanic came out like the second week of December in 1997. That's not the other 97 Well, that's not. Movie. It was content, yeah. wasn't it? Yep. So, no, Titanic was one. Then it was uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park was two. Three was Men in Black, one. First one, 97. Four, Tomorrow Never Dies. Five, Air Force One. Six, As Good As It Gets. Seven, Liar, Liar. Eight, My Best Friend's Wedding. Nine, The Fifth Element. And ten, The Full Monty. Man, Fifth Element was great. Uh, But like some honorable mentions, can we just talk about Con Air? And uh, oh, Goodwill yes. Hunting. It's all Connor. you. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm the only one. All right. Well, then, LA, no, do I love oh, LA Confidential Connor and Goodwill Hunting came out that year. Man, it was Titanic's year. The Golden Globes, best film, best song. And it was everything. It at the yeah, I've never seen that movie. Oh, I was just going to ask, looking back, do, does anyone actually think it's still like a good movie? I it's been a while since I've seen it. It's still a good movie. 
Okay. I agree with you. Yeah, Chris. personally, refuse. I refuse to watch that movie. Why? Even though it's like a James it? Cameron, like why? Yeah, are you a big anti-maritime films kind of guy? No, I just know how the film ends. He's pro iceberg. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Every time I actually was just reading, I think of something this morning where it was like you know some sort of uh, news article where they were just talking about, hey, you'll find this funny. It's a dumb comment or something. And one of the comments was, every time I watch Titanic, it makes me want to take a cruise. It's so beautiful. I'm like, what? (laughs) You are dumb. (laughs) As we've found out lately, cruises are probably one of the worst things you could do to yourself. (laughs) So when I was a kid, I had Titanic. It was two VHSs. Yeah. And so the bad part was the second VHS. I bet that person only watched the first. <laughs> well, only saw the first half of the movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, what a nice boat trip. <laughs> Hope those two live in love forever. Oh, what a great ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, happy couple. The end. Yeah, I think your question earlier, Chris, why I refuse to watch it is I just don't think I can. I just think there's too much baggage with this movie for me to like even watch it and even try to enjoy it. So I, at this moment in time, I feel like there's other things I can continue to watch versus watching a super long movie like Titanic. So. Gotcha. Was it a Freudian slip? Did you just say tit Titanic? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> All right. So before we go through any uh, other notable movies that came out in 1997, that you want to well, highlight? James did say my favorite movie came out in 1997. Con, Con Air? Yes, Con Air. Um, <laughs> I've got to say I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan. Uh, he was especially good in Snake Eyes and 8mm. I was going to say Face Off also came out that year. <laughs> oh, oh, man. oh, did it really? <laughs> yeah. Was it him and Travolta? Heck yeah. <laughs> Great Cage year. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I think his that best movie is, movie is awesome. probably National uh, Treasure. Treasure? I haven't seen those. I do actually enjoy National Treasure. <laughs> Isn't he? Uh, what about Raising Arizona? Yeah, he's in that. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. <laughs> oh. Good Burger King out in 97. <laughs> Anyone else? Good Burger? Welcome to Good, good Burger. Burger. Home of the Good Burger. Yeah. Can I take your order? Free Willy 3. The third Free Willy. I loved those movies as a kid. Oh, speaking of uh, you bringing up The Last Dance, Jamie... Uh, this is the year that Double Team came out, starring Dennis Rodman and John Claude Van Damme. Oh, full circle. <laughs> Did anybody actually I see that movie? He had an acting career. <laughs> no, but just look, Google and look at the movie poster. It's awesome. No, I I was just trying to remember which year. Um, God, what was that movie that Cisco was in? Because they had a real like back and forth. Who had the weirdest color hair in the nineties? I mean, it was just rapper, go with it with Kirsten Dunst. Thank you. Yes, just going. <laughs> that's literally the movie I was trying to remember. I'm really sad you could pull that name out that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little disappointed. And get to know James. But impressed at the same time. <laughs> impressed and disappointed. James, what's on your bucket list? <laughs> well. <laughs> e. Well, so, uh, outside of Double Team, uh, some personal favorites for me that came out this year is uh, Donnie Brasco. Oh, it's best movie. We get in 97. Then uh, an animated film, uh, Princess Mononoke, yeah. which is probably up there with one of my favorite movies, maybe top, I'll say top 20 movies all time. So, I haven't actually seen a single 
Ghibli film. Yeah, I'd say Mononoke is well, my favorite. I think it's probably the best. It's it's beautiful. It has a great story. Um, yeah, I mean, would check it out. It's it's yeah, it's amazing. I think. <laughs> As we're talking about 1997, <laughs> it makes me think of a. There's like a throwaway line in Zombieland when uh, they're. It's just Emma Stone and uh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, and they're drinking wine, and he's like, "Oh, this is a, a Cabernet from like 1997. Uh, was that a good year?" And she's like, "It was a great year. I saw like the best rated R movie that year, Anaconda." <laughs> like, <laughs> so like I said, it's a throwaway line from Zombieland, but just something where you're like, "Well, everyone is dead in the world, but uh, that's funny that." Anaconda is the only rated R movie she could see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, John Boyd. Oh, I still need to see that movie. You're no, talking about Titanic? Anaconda? No. Yeah. <laughs> Titanic. 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 Need to get Titan- Anaconda in my life. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. That's movies in 1997. Let's get into the film discussion of the game. David Fincher's The Game. This is our third um movie um with our kind of diving into a run of david fincher films so who saw this movie for the first time for this uh podcast is that i had never seen you had never seen it before no okay then was that jamie is this was this your first time as well uh no i rented this from the library when i was in high school okay all right so just casey and been a while yeah so Casey, why don't you start off with just some first impressions and just some quick takes, and we'll go from there. You know, um, I guess the I was actually talking this one I was able to watch with my wife, so uh, we actually got to talk a little bit about it, oh, which cool. was nice. Um, and so the one of the things that the biggest pro that I that we kind of talked through and that I think I have is even until the very very end, I still don't know how it's going to end. Um, and I, and you know, a lot of movies, you can kind of call it, you can see it coming. Um, but I can tell you right now, I thought, um, him shooting his brother was the ending. I thought that was it. Yeah. Uh, I thought that oh, there was, they were going to go for the dark twist. Um, so I was actually pleasantly surprised, uh, when he then falls through the stupid glass onto the, onto the, the big pillow and it's like, psych, one more twist. So I, I did find that entertaining. Now there were some areas that, you know, I I had to suspend a little bit of disbelief to to you know um, to really believe that that is something that could be accomplished. Um, so there were a lot of things I enjoyed, um, a lot of things that I thought were kind of a stretch. I guess overall, I left, uh, you know, went to bed after watching this film. Um, glad that I had watched it. I guess for the most part. Yeah, it's a it. It's an entertaining flick, um, especially yeah, if sure. you don't, you know, know the outcome or have had it spoiled for you. Or, yeah, there are, there are lots of leaps I think you have to take, and like, you know, a lot of parts of the film. And <clears throat> yeah, I hadn't seen this movie. I used to have this. I used to own this movie on VHS, and I probably haven't seen it in about um, twenty years. And uh, I forgot about the last part where he falls, you know, through the glass and onto the. Um, whatever and so like that whole like twist at the end i totally forgot about and like it was kind of fun to go back and and watch again and um there are some things that are kind of head scratchers but i think overall i think it's like i mean it's not a great film but it's like a good entertaining film and um yeah i'll hand it off for anyone else that wants to jump in and 
um, yeah. well, throwing like their feelings on the film. And... I'm gonna hop in before James goes, yeah. just because I'm gonna um, share a really sim- similar sentiment to uh, to both you, Chad and Casey, is that I don't think that this is a great movie, but I think it's a really entertaining movie, especially when it's your first time watching it and you don't really know what's going on and you don't know um, how things are playing out. Um, yeah. Even now, this is the the second time that I watched it, and I do agree. Like the the premise in and of itself is very out there, and and there is that need to again, as Casey worded it, suspend that that disbelief and just kind of go with it. But it's it's just entertaining, and there are a lot of twists and turns, and you don't really know what to expect, and you don't know um, who's in it and whether like who to trust. And I think for me. Um, that creates a very engaging film. Um, and, and with that engagement comes a lot of just interest and excitement. And I, ju- I just think, again, it's, I wouldn't call it like a super great film, one that I, I would watch over and over, but I, I think it's a really fun watch if it's your first time. And I think it's, yeah, really, really entertaining. No, it's definitely entertaining uh, for sure. And then even Chad, when you were saying you'd watch this, uh, or owned it on VHS some time ago and uh, just recently rewatched it again for the first time. Similar situation to me, like where I'm almost positive I own this on DVD somewhere. But so I was looking to be like, oh, is it on Netflix or how am I going to watch this for the cast? And I was like, oh, that's right. I own it. So I just went digging for it and I couldn't find it for the life of me. But then uh, so I just ended up um, renting it on Vudu. And my wife afterwards goes, was that worth three ninety nine? And my gut reaction was no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and like, and I'm like, what the heck? And I own it. I'm positive I have it somewhere in the house. So, I, and I'm like, uh, so then I had to like really kind of think on that. So I guess, yeah, I agree. It's an entertaining movie. I just uh, kind of going through other Fincher films, uh, and I know this was an early one, but I definitely it felt like this. I'm like, was this his first movie? Because this feels not as polished as his other ones. And uh, that's when, like, yeah, going through and going, wait a minute, this came out after Seven? Because Seven, I feel like he he just nailed it. He crushed it. And then uh, then this one came out. And then a couple years later is Fight Club, which just totally different feels altogether. It just didn't feel uh, like a traditional Fincher film does now. Like, I feel like if I watch one now, I can probably depict, like, oh, this feels like um, his style. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely so, got the darkness. Yeah, maybe to that. It, so. Well, I was going to say, I do think you think it does that have... maybe that's a. Go on, Chad. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> no, I just wonder if maybe some of that do has to just deal with like the writers of the film, too, because um, the writers was that John uh, Brancanto and Michael Ferris are, have, are like a writing duo and they've done like Correct. their games are like Terminator 3. Yeah. And uh, Terminator Salvation, Surrogates, The Hunter prayer or the hunter's prayer yeah so i mean just kind of like maybe it's just the hot those feels too are just kind of maybe just the, the screenwriting part of it too um versus like i think it's like shot well um you know like just maybe it's just the story isn't as strong as you know the other the films that fincher chooses to maybe to but i agree with chris though i do enjoy the like yeah definitely don't know or chris and casey i think both said it you definitely don't know what's going on or you're questioning who do you trust what's real uh the whole movie they put you in there like where you're feeling you're almost feeling michael douglas's anxiety the whole movie uh like once it actually gets going i think it's like the first like 15 minutes that are just like exhausting because you're it's just so slow and then 
after that, then it's just go, go, go the rest of the film, which is good. Uh, and you're definitely feeling for him, but yeah, I don't know. It, just in general, like, I think it's an exciting movie. I don't think it's one. Yeah. I could probably wait another 20 years like Chad to watch it again. I want to jump in. Cause you said specifically the beginning of it was kind of slow and sloggy. I, the way that they told that initial story with the flashbacks and the, like the grainy yeah. film, not a fan. That wasn't really, I, I remember thinking as that was happening, going, oh, this is kind of a, this isn't my favorite way of like giving me exposition or backstory. Well, Chad, when you said that you forgot that after uh, Sean Penn got shot, that there was more to the story, there was going to be that leap of like, or not necessarily leap of faith. Yeah, but, uh, right. They were foreshadowing Mimicking that. his father's Yeah, death. they were foreshadowing <laughs> that the whole movie. So like, as soon as I saw the yeah. one caption, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what happens. Like I like I had it, but like, I was like, oh, that, that's what happens. But then, uh, but you're right, Casey, the, my, the first thought in my head was like, well, I'm pretty, I know he shoots his brother at some point. Um, and then, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. And then I heard, uh, I was reading something, just some backstory on, uh, casting and I guess they tried to get, uh, Jodie Foster to play, uh, Sean Penn's role. And then they rewrote it to be his brother. Uh, but there was just some sort of issue going on with Jody and like timing or something. I don't know. She was like, I'll hit you back. She was doing like contact eight years for <laughs> panic room. Just hang on, David. <laughs> yeah, just actually, they, I think they saw the same scenes and just cut it into panic room. No, that wouldn't make Wait. any bloody sense. <laughs> um, which actually is so thank you for actually bringing that up. So then my next thought on the game was, the reason maybe this was so lackluster for me is Fincher. I don't think really found CGI yet. It was 97. It was just becoming more <laughs> prominent. And like, he didn't know yeah. how to do all these long cuts uh, that he wants to do without all the, the CGI. Uh, so that was a, I thought that might have been part of it too. Like this was his last honest, like not shot digital movie. I want to talk about that, that you brought that up. Cause that's, been on my mind and this is for me it's been kind of interesting that we've done fincher after we did um i know you weren't on the uh kubrick films james but i feel like there's some similarities between fincher and kubrick like say with like the long cuts but kubrick actually is doing those like analog you know via cuts he's not doing like any like you know, CGI with that versus like you get these long cuts as um, I want to talk about too. And we get to uh, doing the panic room. There's like a super long cut in that. And I'm thinking that, you know, like when it's done by somebody like Kubrick, like I just, I still don't get like the whole like the use of CGI portion of it outside of it being like, you know, like less expensive to do than hi hiring like help to do it. And like, you can like perfect it how you want to see that cut done. But um, that's just kind of one of my digs. I feel like I've gotten on Fincher, at least with those later films, like his, his use of CGI for me personally, um, just always tends to make his films feel cold. And I feel like this game or this movie, the game feels, has a little bit more warmth to it. I feel like versus his other movies that he'll do in the next few years. Yeah, I know if that makes sense. I know when the when the waitress in the beginning made out with the guy that was like throwing up and dying. Yeah, that was so warm and fuzzy when that was happening. Oh, you're talking about the film in <laughs> general. Oh, like the filming and cinematography. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've never been that offended with the CGI. The problem I have with it, especially in like um, 
in some of his older ones when he first starts using it is it just makes the film to me feel so dated because cgi doesn't yeah, hold doesn't up especially well. the old stuff it looks yeah. bad there like there are some scenes in fight club that have some pretty haggard cgi yeah, yeah. like the scene uh when his apartment gets blown up like the way that his fridge bounces is super like they didn't have physics figured out and that scene's kind of like only okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a problem with CGI too. I think the just how it's for me personally. Again, that's this is just my own little like um, nitpicks, and I know what I see and feel from the film when when I'm seeing this is probably way different than how others feel. But I just when there's it seems like when there's more CGI than like practical, like if those aren't blended well for me, it just kind of takes me out of like the scene and out of the movie, and like I'm just. I'm just out of the film then at that moment. And uh, it's kind of like the uncanny Valley thing with like, like digital eyeballs on characters, you know, like that's the thing that always throws you off. And there's something about the blend of, you know, not in this movie, but later on when he uses the CGI, it, it just makes the films feel a little bit cold and not like there's, I'm describing it as warmth. That's the only thing I can feel to describe like the, it's just missing like that analog practical piece of it to mix in the CGI. But hey, I'm not a filmmaker, so what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get uh, Jamie's input? Have we heard that yet? Yeah, Jamie. Hello. Hey, I was just waiting in the wings. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I. You are the wind beneath my wings. Oh, thanks, Chad. <laughs> Makes me feel special. Um, so James, I had literally I did the exact same thing you did when I was watching this. I was like, huh. I thought that this came out after seven, but it felt like it was before. So I looked it up on his IMDb, looked at the timeline and had the same mental bout of confusion thinking that this, why does this feel more or less impactful than seven did? And I still don't have an answer. I just thought it was really interesting that you said the same thing. Um, But I think I, I like this movie. Um, I think that, I do think, though, that Trick works best the first time because I remember when I did watch it, as I mentioned before, I rented it from the library in high school because that's what you did when you were in high school and before I learned how to get movies by other means. Um, that was how I watched it. And I, I just remember back. You mean Redbox? That's what I mean. <laughs> I know. Here, I'm the. I'm the jerk that spent three ninety nine the other day on it. <laughs> what was I thinking? No, we're we're on the same wavelength with the game, James, because I definitely paid the three ninety nine on Voodoo as well. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> and w- I do think the trick works best the first time you see it. Um, so I guess to that end, I was a little disappointed. But the more I think about it, like I don't want to be too ungrateful because movies like this we just don't see very often anymore like an original story you have no idea what's going on like right now it would be oh the game was from this comic book and we already know what the game is before michael douglas is in it which would take away from the fun yeah you know yeah so this i i love having no idea what's going on and that even held you like i think we figured it out i think we all just like need to wait uh at like a decade or so before we watch it again so you forget some of the more important details yeah, I watched it like I think there's it's kind of cool. I I watched like the first half of it again. I was trying to watch it a second time. I just didn't, didn't get all the way through it, but there are some cool things you kind of catch like through a immediate second 
like watch through of the film that like oh like when he goes to like CRS like I didn't look this up but there, is there any kind of like older guy like CRS like the can't remember shit thing like kind of playing in here <laughs> but uh no like when he's at CRS they're doing the part where they're like showing him the cards and he's like kind of saying like the first thing that comes to his mind and like some of those cards are representing things that happen later in the film. Like there's like a car, like breaking through a fence and like going like off a cliff, which kind of foreshadows like um, when he's in the taxi cab and he goes off the end of the dock into the river kind of thing. Oh, I so, didn't catch I was gonna say, as soon as, which is kind of, as soon as you start talking about it, that's well, just the cards in general. That's the first card I thought of where he goes, oops, when he was describing what the card meant yep. for him. Yeah. And then, yep. and then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. And then you start talking about it. I'm like, yeah, I just got there. <laughs> Yeah, which is like again, I think it's it's a that's a cool thing I think you get with Fincher in his films is you get those cool like you know that attention to detail to where it's doesn't little things that maybe don't seem as significant that first time through then yeah you can kind of pick up on that with each additional uh, rewatch but um. Yeah, this is a hard movie, though, to go back and try to rewatch over and over again. I mean, plus, it's not, you know, the shortest film either on top of it. But That's a bummer, too, because if you look at Fight Club, that still is rewatchable, and you know the, the big twist ending the whole time. That was going to be my kind of point, too, Case. I was just thinking of there's other movies with twist endings that are definitely rewatchable, uh, and I still, like look forward to watching them and enjoy them. Like the game just for me, it, it wasn't one that I'm going to go back to. And maybe that's because I felt like it was a lesser quality of film. Not necessarily the story was that bad, but, or the twist wasn't good enough, but just like, I don't know the film in general, I don't think was the best. So I don't know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. whatever. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Next. <laughs> but no, I, 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 yeah. I, even though like, when we went back and we we covered the uh, Fight Club too, and I thought I remember like a lot of people not, or maybe it was just you, Chris, like not like your what you remember or what you thought you liked about this film. It just didn't feel the same as it did before. I thought that was you, Chris. Maybe yeah, I but, didn't think you because I kind of had the same shared the same sentiment sentiment with you as well. Yeah, I didn't feel like Fight Club felt as rewatchable as it did when I first saw it and as a kid. Um, And again, like this movie, I think, yeah, rewatchability isn't high up there, but again, and I think I said this a couple of times when um, I was kind of giving my initial thoughts. I just think when this is your first view of it, I think it's really cool. It, I think of it as um, God, I, there's a uh, kind of like a, a thriller movie, the others with Nicole Kidman. And that movie, like, I will never watch it again, but I'm so glad I watched it because of the twist at the end. And it was a really enjoyable, entertaining film. Um, And like, that's, I I think it was engaging. It was interesting. Um, It's a, it's a fun movie. It keeps you entertained, but yeah, I don't think it, it has the same rewatchability like other movies that have a twist like seven. I can watch seven anytime. Like everything about seven is amazing. And I love the twist. The first time you see it's incredible, but it just, it continues to get better for me that that film ages really well. Um, And every time I, 
with seven you're like you're intensely waiting for the twist like with anticipation you're not even like sad that it's gonna you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. you're not upset you know it you're like waiting for that moment because it's so powerful yeah we're i don't think so you're saying this there is validity to movies that maybe aren't rewatchable but at least give a a good enough impact and a a fun enough ride the first time yeah like uh well not a fun ride but i think it just made me think of like Requiem for a Dream. Uh, yeah, you know, like great movie, <laughs> just like a super like great movie, super impactful. But I mean, it kind of you kind of feel like you left the, you know, left a little bit of yourself behind yeah. after. Or any of those like any of the Larry film, Clark so. films, you know, kids or Ken oh yeah, Park like kids Bully. and Bully, like Bully, yeah, Bully left yeah. me feeling gross for like days. Like that's a tough yeah. watch because it's such it's such an amazing yeah. movie. Um, yeah. And yeah, there is something to be said about those movies that can really like impact you emotionally. And I think there is something to be said. I, I feel that way a lot about there are movies where like when I'm done watching that movie, like there is something that's elicited. There's a, a feeling. Um, James and I, for the first time a couple of years ago, uh, watched Almost Famous together. And like, I remember finishing that movie just feeling like, oh my God, like that was awesome. Like in feeling like energized. Um, and thought it was such a such a cool movie. Um, I think that is one thing to be said about like really good films is that they elicit that emotion and that feeling as soon as it's done, and then that sticks with you yeah. for an extended period of time. Yep. I'm there with you. Yeah, Requiem for a Dream. I'm pretty sure. I think I saw that it was on Amazon. Maybe I could, maybe I'm making that up, but and I ju- had a half a thought that I was gonna hey maybe I can add this to the watch list, and then I decided. Yeah, it's been like 20, 25 years, and I'm not ready. I, I can't do it. Yeah, no, I know. I always say that that's like the perfect like anti-drug movie. Like They should maybe show that like in high school. Oh, for sure. I thought the same thing, <laughs> and I watched it in high school. <laughs> and look at me now. Uh, Woohoo! Yeah. Requiem I'm so proud of you. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you won't no, watch well, it just for the reputation that it's got you know just for what you guys just said like oh it's so great but it, it's like this big sigh like you know just heavy man like oh man i anything i gotta work myself up for like that you know yeah but at least you don't have to listen to fucking celine dion that's like another reason why i won't listen like watch titanic i don't want to get to that part oh, so <laughs> you've never seen deadpool 2 i guess yeah is that <laughs> I haven't seen the any movie Deadpool is that movies. song? <laughs> oh, see, that's a shame. Those yeah, I've hard. I have a hard time with comic book movies, man. Like Deadpool two was. Oh no, see, these are different. They're Deadpool is in its own world. Yeah. it's it's a comic book movie, but not like. If Don't get me wrong. I love Deadpool. Like I have like Deadpool's like first uh, comic book appearance. Like I was a big like X Force fan. Like I read those books. Like when now I was like a teenager. So like. I get it, but like, I just I don't. So you can't do comic book movies because you're too no, not even the, like source no, material. No, I just don't. It, they're just feels just like don't, you don't get it, Chad. I probably don't. <laughs> I I would give Deadpool a chance. It's different. It's that's okay. I always feel like I'm. I know. I know that when it comes to like Deadpool or like MCU, I know that I'm in the minority on my. <laughs> on my feelings for these films, you know, so. But it's even so much different than the rest of MCU. I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah, plus I have, who plays Deadpool? Ryan Reynolds. Green Lantern. 
Yeah, oh, I have a Ryan problem Reynolds, with him. He is Deadpool. Why do you hate yeah. Ryan Reynolds? Oh, no. What is wrong? I didn't I didn't say I hate him. That's a strong word, Chris. Oh my god, Ryan. Hate is a strong Why word. Why don't you I, like I have a problem with him. <laughs> what dude, he used to be he used to be Berg on Two Guys and a Girl in a pizza place, and that was like yeah. one of my all time favorite shows growing up as a kid. And then became... Yeah, he just I just can't shake like this douchey kind of I don't know. He's like the guy like in college you just wanted to stay from away from because you were think he's like gonna maybe like put his balls on your head or Ryan something. Ryan Reynolds is the person that gives you that? <laughs> like there's so many other people that can give you that. <laughs> it's Fuck. probably the Van Wilder. Yeah, 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 Paul yeah, Walker yeah. is yeah, that yeah. guy. Like what are you Hey, 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 hey. He can't even defend hold on, himself. Hold on. He settle down. I agree, but I would say that he gives me those feelings fu- Josh Hartnett. Those are the type of people that like give me those feelings. Not Ryan Reynolds. I was following no a car rem- driving a yeah. few months ago, and they had a Paul Walker memorial sticker on the back with a quote, like, life is fast, let it ride, or oh something God. like that. Paul Walker rip. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> is that the, is Paul Walker <laughs> people, the guy he has from, a die uh, hard. that died from, oh, fast fuck, and that's furious. another set of movies that needs to go away. I don't know. That's yeah, I Paul Walker those. had it figured out until his untimely death. But it was like he was he just did one movie a year and was like, yeah, I just do this. And then I go surfing like the rest of my time until they go, hey, we're doing a, a sequel. I'm like, right. Yep, I mean, good yeah, for you. That's, that's great. Yeah, exactly. That's great if that's your gig. But I mean, well, he figured it out. He wasn't of... trying to be anything more than that. After he was done with the skulls, he's like, you know what? I'm not Ryan Phillippe. I'm not going to make it in this town. That... <laughs> I know it was Bad a great example. example. Also, I secretly Chris, love cool. the skulls. Oh yeah, who doesn't? Chris, you and I are on the same page oh. when it comes to like movies that came out between '96 and '99. I think. Oh yeah, like Con Air. Cool. Maybe that's like maybe that's a season we need to do is like just like late '90s movies, uh, like '95 to '99. There are just so many good ones, like and also so many guilty pleasures in there. And Chris, just for the record, when you said you don't like Ryan Reynolds, like I'm looking at myself in a mirror and I like was mouthing Berg from two guys and girls in a pizza place. Cause I knew oh, you were going to bring that up. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, can I get back to Jamie and just say with rec room for a dream, Jamie, all I need you to do is just, just have low expectations. I mean, I had the lowest expectations and GI Joe was pretty good. But see, I, you know, I might want to try heroin one day and I don't want that taken away from me. <laughs> I've heard it's, it's very great. fair. Oh God. The guy with two kids talking about, you know, sometime I might want to drink heroin. You know, after the yeah. kids, they go to college. The wife and I, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our broken, tarnished relationship. How do we get that magic back? Clearly, it's heroin. The magic no, At that time, it might be legal. Right. Yeah. And I think really like that movie, isn't it like the last 20 minutes of that movie? That's like the most that's the meat yeah. grinder. I mean, spoilers, <laughs> Jamie, but just yeah. everything goes yeah. bad for everyone all at the same time. It's got like really that epic way. score in the background. What they should have done was taken the Pixar model and had that, you know, be like a first animated intro. Like, that's the heroin right there. That's the happy time. And then the end of the movie is what happens if you keep doing heroin. I could make the sequel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh anyway, hey Jamie, we haven't really heard so the game. You have any other um thoughts on the game you want to share? So one thing, I didn't know if we were going to talk about favorite scenes, but I Yeah, let's do that right now. Let's start with you. Okay. So the one I really wanted to highlight was when he's watching um Mr. 
oh shoot, not Lou Dobbs on his not Fox business channel um, in his sad room by himself with his dinner. The the scene where um, it's clear that he's actually talking to the real not Lou Dobbs or like he's infected his he's TV. Like, yes, I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. So I remember the first time I watched that. Th- see, that's a scene. I like that because that's a scene that could only take place in the 90s. Because back then, you know, not knowing what, like, the internet was brand, nobody knew what the internet was. So when that happens, you're like, oh my God, how is the TV talking to Michael Douglas? You know, now you're like, oh, the CIA hacked his Alexa, you know, whatever. But that's, (laughs) you know, that's where we've become so jaded. And I I just, I really like that because that scene just feels so cemented in time. It's still cool now, but I, I, I just can't emphasize enough, like, how, um, you know back then that kicked people off you know i think it's still cool it would still hold up with modern technology because it wasn't just the fact that his yeah. tv was talking to him but it was during like a live broadcast deep fake it like switched and glitched That's out true. like i i actually thought that was really sweet that's when i like sat at that you know sat up in my couch a little bit and was paying a little more attention yep that was kind of like the, the, the turning point hey, for hey, me. hey hey we are doing this hey uh <laughs> Yeah, Jamie or Super James. I, like, I feel like you're I the first person, stuff. like in a long time, that has mentioned Max Hedrum. I feel like Max Hedrum has been like buried in like pop culture. No, nah, he's. I bet he's gonna come back with his own movie. Him and Howard the Duck are probably just right. gonna, gonna host the next Oscars. <laughs> cool. Is what would you do to, or is there anything you could do to make this movie better if you were to remake it today? I still think part of what took me out of it was just some of the filmmaking aspects of like the, the back story and the exposition. I thought those, those flashbacky scenes were just really out of place and and just felt, I don't know, maybe they felt dated because it was an older movie and maybe that's how they did some of those things uh, more in the nineties. But yeah, I just didn't think that was a great way to tell that bit of the story. I didn't really get everything I think I was supposed to get from it. And, you know, maybe I'm dumb and I need to have exposition spoon fed to me. But just that that vehicle for it, I, I wasn't a big fan of. The part I liked about that, though, Casey, is that how it was shot like it was done with a uh, what what would have been like a eight millimeter camera or whatever like whatever home cameras like people had like I'm guessing it was probably in like the mid 50s ish i'm guessing on the era so it kind of had that kind of zapruder film kind of feel to it yeah but see i didn't i didn't pick up that the dude jumping off the building was his dad for most of the film and actually maybe and honestly maybe i'm lying maybe i didn't really get it until i was like reading about it afterwards um that yeah that just the way they told that wasn't super clear which, I mean, that's kind of the whole bow at the end, right? Oh, his dad jumped off a building, and he's going to jump off a building. Life is circular, blah, blah, blah. Um, I have a different way to describe some of this movie. Did it feel a lot like The Dark Knight Rises to you? Am I the only Ex- one who got that? Explain. <laughs> so, it, it's... <laughs> so, you, I just pick up from a certain point of the movie. So, okay, let's go in Dark Knight Rises, like... Batman gets his back broken by Bane and then he gets thrown in the like pit of despair or whatever the hell you're going to call that thing. And Oh, wait, what shoots. he does. So anyways, I haven't so this seen happens. it. Casey, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm like, we, no, we've been doing other, no, this no, whole no, show no. is about spoilers. So get over yeah. it. <laughs> but, okay. So 
anyway, so like, and then, you know, Batman, and then all of a sudden, you know, he, you know, gets himself, you know, puts his back back together and climbs out of the pit and goes back to Gotham and saves the world and like has just this whole new thing. Like that felt like in the game, like when he, that chick drugs him and like he thinks all of his money's gone. Like, cause like, and also in Dark Knight, they take all of his, like Bane takes all his money. He's like poor and living in the mansion with like no electricity, no nothing. And so like it just felt to me like when they drug him and then he gets uh, like wakes up in Mexico in like a grave and has to like hitchhike his way back to the States, grabs his gun from his empty mansion and then is like going to like do all this wrath against the people that wronged him. And like, I don't know, it just felt very like this storyline feels familiar. <laughs> Oh, anyways, no, uh, nobody else picked. No, up okay. no, James, sorry. I, I think you're you're onto something. I don't think he could ever be Batman, but there's definitely a world where uh, Michael Douglas could have been uh, Bruce Wayne. He's just got that. Just, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, just this rich dude that is entitled, and it's just. I mean, yeah. See, his dad didn't get murdered. His dad committed suicide. If Batman's dad just committed suicide, it's the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyered. Uh, next thing though, I was thinking was, okay. So if the idea was that the CRS took all of, uh, Michael Douglas's money, I was kind of thinking in the long run, that's exactly what they did. We never saw the bill that Conrad had to pay for this. And then he's like, do you want to split it? And he's like, Oh God, thank you. Cause, but you think about all the cars they destroyed, all the buildings they destroyed, the like his whole house had to get renovated. They had to move buildings. Like I'm like, that's a pretty hefty paycheck like <laughs> that you guys had to do. And I'm like, man, touche CRS. Yeah. What, what amount of insurance would CRS would have to pay for like liability in case like they actually killed somebody? <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. These are like the, right. the mega ultra rich. They're not doing any of that. This is the same type of like, these are the same type of people that are like uh, doing, you know, pedophile rings and buying sex slaves and shit. It's that level of of wealth. I didn't know pedophile rings was a thing. Pizzagate. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch Rec Room for a Dream and feel better. About yeah. Myself. Bathe yourself in Requiem. <laughs> <laughs> ash to ash. All right. Um, That's like. Yeah, next. Next. All right. Yeah. I wanted to touch again on uh, the whole suspension of disbelief bit because the ending, as much as I did think it was clever to, oh, he breaks through, hits hits the pillow. Think of all the things that had to go right for him to not just straight up die there. Right? Like the wind could have blown him a different direction. What if he went off the other end of the, of the building? And, like, God forbid there was a good Samaritan that tried helping him in a different fashion during any of these events. And, like, that kind of, not that didn't happen, but on the roof scene, um, or afterwards, he jumped, like, that other main old guy was like, oh, thank God you jumped. If you didn't, I was supposed to push you. And, like... Um, how much were you going to pay that guy? Like he was probably like, ho- he was probably hoping he's like, Oh God, I hope he doesn't jump because I get an extra hundred K <laughs> like, like for my paycheck for like hazard pay. Yeah. He's like, he just gets, he's like, I want all this hazard pay for my kids that were probably not even his kids at the zoo, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what amount of like, uh, 
like what you would need to actually deaden the blow of falling off a, a I don't know how many story building that was that he jumps off like if that could actually happen or if like your body would get shredded like going through the glass and break well even if it was like breakaway glass well, yeah they said it was breakaway glass but still yeah right the, the velocity or like even when you hit it even if it's breakaway then your body die. gets flung around again and you land straight on your head I don't know <laughs> yeah well, and the funny thing about that plan, too, is remember, she's like, you're thinking she's lying. And she's like, they're coming up right now with champagne. It's the surprise. And then it really was. So what if he believed her? Was that just the big ending was, oh, surprise, you were on top of the roof? I don't know. You know what hey, I'm Chris, can I get Chris, can I get a fact check on uh, if you fall from that distance in water? I know you've been watching a lot of Baywatch. <laughs> right. Uh yeah, I mean, how many stories up do you think that building was? Probably 50, 60? Yeah, Let's you say died. yes. <laughs> All right, let me, uh, I'll Google, would you die falling from a 40 Falling from building? 40 feet. I know if you, f- any, you can die if you fall off anything that's three times the, like, height, three times your height. So people die from falling in there. Yeah, that's true. So let's just say he would have been incredibly badly bruised, a couple broken ribs, um, and maybe a couple lacerations. Do we know the tallest building in San Francisco? No. Wait, is that I what you're getting from your research? I... Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't care enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can just okay. say it. <laughs> so I can hear your this voice. This movie was received on Rotten Tomatoes as a seventy-three percent with an audience score of eighty-four percent, which is kind of surprising based off our conversation so far. But maybe it's back to like the entertaining movie. Not a great movie, but it's entertaining. Uh, the IMDb average is seven point eight out of ten, and the average on Letterboxd is three point seven. I gave it a three. On my letterbox. So is that kind of what is that a line or do you think it should be lower or higher than that? Letterbox is out of five. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. What does letterbox go to? Yeah. So it's an ask. I'm going to my letterbox to see if I even ranked this. Like a three and a half. I don't think I could give it a four. Yeah. It would be right under that though. Three I'll and a half. The same as Casey. Three and three quarters. Yeah. I gave it three and a half. Jamie, would you give it a two? <laughs> no. No, I like this movie. I gave oh, it a three. Okay, sorry. I gave it a three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I yeah, I think I gave it a three and a half or a three. I'm there with you. But Yeah, for me, like usually if I give like a Yeah, three for me is like, yeah, a good a good good not great movie. So that's that's the lines about yeah, I gave it. Yeah, I gave it a three and a half. So great. Yep, we're on point. Awesome. I did have a question. Um, you had one thing on here about. Did you know Mario makes a cameo appearance in the? Oh show? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to look up where. Right now, but the guy that that voices uh, Mario, like the Mario games. the brother, Mario yeah. Lopez, a Super Mario. Oh really? Yeah. Like then it. 
Oh. No, not not Captain like Lou Mario Lano. that played it in the li- the dude that played it in the live action movie. Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Yeah, there we go. What? Is that <laughs> Captain you. Lou Albano, hey. right? It's he's Smee and Hook. I don't know who you're talking about. Really? No, I'm the wrestler, he's right? A- Captain Lou Albano. I'm talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo. No, 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 Mario, no. Mario, oh, wait, 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 wait. Mario. I'm talking about uh, the Super Mario, <laughs> the Super Mario Brothers cartoon show, but it would open up oh. with the live action guys. Yeah, yeah. Now I know what you're okay. talking about. That was the he, he, he was the best live action Mario. I'm telling you. If you want to check it out, I think it's on Netflix right now. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Movie Time Machines. Look into. David Fincher's The Game. So as you know, we drop new episodes once a week. We try to do it on Fridays. Uh, you can download us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. If you want to leave us a review, you can do it on iTunes or other podcasting services. You can also find us at Movie Machine Pod on Twitter. If you want to find the podcast, just Google Movie Time Machine Podcast. Thank you and bye.